much to your dismay or <laughs> your delight, one of the two. But I am delighted to be here. From 1916 to 1936, the Assemblies of God in the United States grew 297% in 20 years. John Elizabeth Sherrill set out to author a book denouncing the Holy Spirit baptism with evidence of speaking in other tongues and in the process was baptized in the Holy Spirit themselves. And concluded the book, they speak with other tongues. Probably should have changed the title to we, but they didn't. They speak with other tongues. And in that book declared that the assemblies of God in those days saw 297% growth. Now let's back up. And let's look at that and see how it compares with today. In those days, there was a debate on the physical initial evidence. In those days, there was a debate on sanctification. In those days, there was a debate on the Trinity in the assemblies of God. In those days, women were not allowed to preach, or if they were allowed to receive a credential, they weren't allowed to pastor. In those days, we were facing the same issues that we are facing in this 21st century. But yet we grew 297%. And so I'm just saying, oh God, do it again. And I believe you can. For today, we're finding individuals who are declaring their displeasure in our initial physical evidence doctrine. They're having problems with sanctification and getting too far afield with grace. Don't shout me down when I'm doing well. In the midst of those years, we saw the conclusion of World War I. We saw the beginning of the Roaring Twenties. And then we saw the 29 crash that brought us to 39 with the Great Depression. Compare that to today. With the crash of 2008 and the problems that we are facing around the world with the possibility of World War III. And I'm telling you that God wants a church that will arise to the place where they will say God is our source and our strength. He is our present help in time of trouble. He will not leave us alone. He will be with us always, even to the end of the age. He will be closer than a brother, and he who puts something in you will be greater than he who is outside of you. And I believe when that takes place, people are going to come and see the church burn with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm believing that we're going to see tremendous growth. But the problem is, 
and uh, I hope I have the opportunity to tell our newly elected general superintendent, Doug Clay. And if he reads the article, it'll be in the next Alabama Messenger, he'll already know that we're in the state we're in because we're comparing ourselves to others rather than comparing ourselves to ourselves. If you go to ag.org and you pull up the vital statistics and the growth pattern of the Assemblies of God over the last few decades, you will find that every time they talk about the decline of the other organizations or the lack of growth that we're seeing in the Assemblies of God, and they're not comparing ourselves to the 1916, 17, 18, 25 through 29. I'm believing that God is going to awaken us to the assurance that he will bring us again to the place where we will have substantial growth in the kingdom of God. While we are seeing 68 million people as a part of our fellowship in the United States, we can barely get 3 million adherents, not members, but adherents in the assemblies of God. There is something wrong with the picture. When we have the answer to the world's problem and we only have 1% of the world's population worshiping in Assemblies of God churches. Well, I got to quit preaching because I haven't taken my text. But I want to draw your attention to the 20th chapter of the book of John. The 21st verse. And only one phrase of that, if I may, to abbreviate something so I can preach longer. As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. When I was serving as pastor in Selma, there was a young black man that was a friend, and he and I were talking one day, and he was taking music lessons from an elderly black lady, and he was trying his best to learn to play piano, and he was doing a pretty good job of it, but every time he saw his music teacher, she would scream at him, Jerome, walk with rhythm, walk with rhythm. Walk with rhythm. See him anywhere in the store, anywhere in the street, anywhere in church. Jerome, walk with rhythm. Walk with rhythm. Walk with rhythm. If you and I are going to find what God wants in our lives, we are going to have to walk in anointing, walk in authority, and walk in power. If it is essential for a musician to walk in rhythm, it should be essential for a child of God to walk in anointing, to walk in authority, and to walk in power to be a born-again believer found of God. When Jesus walked up to the scroll in the synagogue and he began to read, in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 4, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In the 1916 era when revival hit, 
almost all the people within the church were baptized in the Holy Spirit. If they didn't want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, they didn't want to come to an assembly of God church. Because the assemblies of God was known as the scourge of the earth. They were called heretics. We were out of sync. We were holy rollers. We were those holiness people. God help us come back. They were the individuals that you tried to push aside rather than come to. But yet when the hard times came, when the troubles began to hit, people began to look for somebody who would give them the truth and who would give them an answer. And they went to the people who were spirit-filled. The problem within the assemblies of God today is that less than 25% of our membership are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. The sad part about keeping statistics is to find that one-third of our churches did not see a conversion in, 19, in 2016. 100 years from the revival that began seeing souls saved and lives changed that brought the church to membership by 297%. So I'm saying that it's time for we as the church to become hungry for the infilling of the Spirit of God. To walk in the Spirit of God and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. A living in the Spirit of God so God can speak to us and bless us and minister through us. And the power of God can come and we can sense and know that He is here and He will give us the words that we can say whenever they're needed. To be said to a kingdom and to a world in darkness. For He has anointed me, walk in anointing. Walk in anointing. If Jesus knew and needed the anointing of God, how much more do we need the anointing of God? What did he want the anointing for? Now let's see where he got the Holy Spirit. In the third chapter of Matthew, John the Baptist down by the river. Jesus comes along. John says, There's coming one after me whose shoes are not worthy to bear, who shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And all at once Jesus came from the crowd into the water. He and John went straightway coming out of the water. A dove came, signifying the Holy Spirit and sat upon Jesus. And the voice spake from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased, hear ye him. And Jesus walked out of that water anointed. But wait a minute, wait a minute. The problem is oftentimes we get all the butterflies and we get all the goosebumps and we get all the excitement, but we forget about that, the need to have a wilderness experience. Jesus driven by the Spirit in one author's Words led by the Spirit and another's went into the wilderness and there he began to pray and fast for 40 days and the devil came and tempted him. 
And he resisted those temptations, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And came out victorious on the other side after the angels came and ministered to him. Don't look for angels unless you're coming out of fire out of difficulty, out of situations that were beyond your control. And so we see Jesus coming with the Holy Spirit from Jordan, the anointing from the wilderness. And he began to say, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Now you're going to very smugly say to me, but I'm not a preacher. Oh, yes, you are. You may not get to the pulpit, you may not get to a lectern, but you're a preacher. As a matter of fact, every time you open your mouth, you are proclaiming God or you're proclaiming self or you're proclaiming the world or you're speaking on behalf of the devil. But every time we speak, people begin to listen to that and determine who we are, what we are, and what we are about. And so we do preach the gospel and people are watching you. They're wanting to see something different in you. They want to feel something about you that will, that will challenge them to be different than they are. Smith Wigglesworth getting off a train that had been blowing black, billowing smoke to wash his face on the platform of the station came back on to the train after prancing back and forth, praying and believing God to do something in his life. And a man grabbed him and said, Sir, your very countenance convicts me. That's what we need. We need an exclamation point in our lives that says, This is who I am. This is what I am. And I'm not going to change. For I came to preach the gospel. I came to heal. The healing virtues of God saw us have phenomenal growth in the early stages of our infancy in the assemblies of God because there were people who would dare believe that God would still be the one to come into the sick individual's lives and they be healed by his marvelous power. That the mercies of God would come upon them and the cancers would fall off and the joints would be loosened and the mind would be clear and the lives would be given back to service unto God, for he has called me to deliver. The problem with every church, including the assemblies of God, is we find a demon-possessed person and we don't deal with the demons, we take them in as members. Let me back up. Go to a foreign country like I have. Watch the people who come into the service that are demon-possessed. And watch what the Spirit of God does for them in loosing them and letting them go. For I've come to deliver the bound. I have come to open blinded eyes, both spiritually and physically, and I have come to liberate, set free, those who are bound by whatever I have come to minister to their lives. Let me tell you what the greatest testimony I've ever heard in my life other than I've been saved. In Seguatepeque, Honduras, we were dedicating a building that we had erected. It was just a little simple 26 by 52 building that was going to house very few people. 
But as we were dedicating that night, not a man was given a testimony. I looked over at the missionary. I said, what's he saying? I don't speak Spanish. He said, he is thanking God for delivering him from the desire to go back to the United States. I began to try to figure out who this guy was and what he was all about. And here was a guy who was making at that time probably $30 an hour in the 70s as a block mason in Chicago, Illinois. And he was going to go back to Honduras and work for $30 a month. And God delivered him, set him free, liberated him from the desire to be an illegal. We need a little of that around. But we need God to be the provision for the lives of those who are being liberated. If we're going to walk in anointing, we ought to walk in authority. And I believe that the authority of God comes from the word of God. I hope when I speak, people say, well, I think I can listen to him because he's a man of his word. Banker walked into my office one day and I told him how much money I needed and he just gave it to me. I thought, wow. Why? Because he knew I was going to pay him back. I didn't even have to sign if I didn't want to, or I did because of the bank. But I did and he required it, but he knew. Another banker said, I wish I had more customers like you and your daughter. You pay your bills. The only thing you own in this world is your name, and the only thing that supports your name is your word. And you're the only one that can damage that. And if you already have, you can reverse it. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, Jesus is sharing the word of the Lord. And the people were astounded. They were amazed. They were awestruck. And finally came to this statement. We have never heard anyone speak like this man, for he is one speaking as one having authority. If you and I are going to speak the word of God, we're going to have to speak it with authority. In Mark chapter 4, one of my favorite stories is Jesus going to the bow of the boat, looking over the effects of the wind and seeing the waves and saying to the waves and the wind, peace, be still. Literally, he said, be muzzled like muzzling a dog. Jimmy Brown said, he said, shut up and stay shut up. Authority. And the people Standing around were astonished that even the winds and the waves obeyed him. We find him in Matthew's gospel chapter number 14, walking on the water. We often talk about Peter walking on the water. I submit to you he didn't walk on the water. And I believe if you look at the word very carefully, you'll understand why. The water was always around him. After he got off the water, the water was all, still all the way around him. When Jesus was on the water, the water was in front of him. 
but he never got out of the boat until Jesus gave the authority by saying one word, come. And, Jesus, and Peter didn't start sinking until he took his eyes off the word. So I'm believing that God is going to help us say things with authority and give us victory as we walk in him. If we're going to ever use the authority that God gives us in the word, we're going to have to study the word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we're going to study the word of God, we need to believe the word. Of God. Do we literally believe the Word of God? The Assemblies of God's always had this little emblem on their, their, their logo that says, All the Gospel. So we believe that from cover to cover, God said it and God meant it, and we ought to practice it. But do we? If we're going to study the Word, we shouldn't look at the word and say, well, you know, that really says that, but I believe it means this. Or oftentimes we'll say, well, the word says that. I wish I could convey that to brother or sister so-and-so. <laughs> God's not saying it to them right then. He said to you. Don't look for somebody else to put it off on. Don't look for somebody else to blame. Don't compare yourself. With someone else, compare yourself with Jesus. And if we're going to study and if we're going to believe, we're going to have to meditate on the Word of God. We're going to have to let it saturate our minds and we're going to have to think on those good things that God has given us in His Word. We're going to have to sit around and say, how does this Word apply and how am I going to use it for the glory of God because I want to walk in anointing, I want to walk in authority so I can walk in power and do the works and the will of God. You see, Jesus in Luke chapter 9 gave power. Luke chapter 10 gave power. But do we have power to do the things God has said? John 1.12 said, to them that believed on him, to them gave he power. Power to become the sons of God. But ye shall receive power, Acts 1 and 8. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Power. To speak the word of the Lord. You and I, if we will walk in these three things, we will begin to see others begin to question us and say, what makes you tick? What do you have that I don't have? It's said that Jane Fonda, when she was married to Ted Turner, was in the back seat of the limousine and the chauffeur was just simply there. But she had watched his life and she asked him through the window separating the seats. What makes you what you are? And he led her through the sinner's prayer. 
You see, if we will be different, if we will act different, if we will live different, if we will allow God to use us in a different way, people will want to know what makes us different. And we can do the work and the will of God. In Jacks chapter 9, verse number 1, the Bible says that Jesus took his disciples off to the side and he said, I'm going to send you over into these cities and this is what you want to, I want you to do. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about extra clothes. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about what you do. Just go over there and share what I'm going to give you to share. And if they don't accept it, shake the dust off your feet. And come on back home. But when they came back, they were astonished at the power that had been given unto them and the work that they had been able to accomplish and they were glorying in what God had done. And Jesus, so that they would not be so special, took 70 more in Acts chapter 10 and sent them out. They were not the ones who had sat at his feet day after day after day and heard what he said and seen what he had done. These are individuals that were just individuals he wanted to impart power to. And all at once he sent them out and they came back glorying that even the demons were subject unto them. Glory not that demons are subject unto you, but glory that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What was he saying? I sent you an anointing. I sent you an authority. I sent you in power. And now take glory in the fact that you are walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. Living a life. Stirring and touching. Some years ago, I moved next door to a couple over in West End of Birmingham and the man didn't want to talk. He was basically shy. But not only that, I don't think he liked preachers. Now his wife would talk the ears off a of billy goat. But Willie didn't. So one day I caught him with his head under the hood of his car, with his back turned, and I crept up on him. And I began talking with Willie. And found out, to my surprise, he could talk back. I invited him to church. He didn't want to come. I said, let me take your kids. Okay, take them. <laughs> so I took the son and the daughter. They came to Sunday school, never having been before. They would go home and they would say, oh, we learned this, the preacher said this, this is what we've been taught. My phone would ring. Come over here tonight and bring your Bible. We got the coffee made. And I would go over and sit down around the kitchen table and I would answer all the questions they had about what the kids had asked. And finally they said, you keep carrying our kids to Sunday school, but we're coming for church was pastoring in Graysville, and they'd drive to church. Wasn't long till Willie and Tootsie recommitted their lives to God, one a backslidden Southern Baptist and one a backslidden Free Will Baptist. And it wasn't long after that till Willie was teaching a Sunday school class. Whoa, who would have thunk it? As introverted and shy as he was. But he walked in anointing, he walked in authority, he walked in power. After that, 
In Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 36, Peter gets up after the day of Pentecost and he preaches the proclamation of the word. And 3,000 souls came to know Jesus. Someone asked another guy to compare Billy Graham and Reinhardt Bunky. And the response was, the reply was, not what I would have said, but compared to the crowds that Billy Graham drew and the crowds that Reinhardt Bunky attracts, there's no comparison. And Reinhardt Bunky, to my knowledge, doesn't play an instrument. I've never heard him tell a funny story. I can barely keep up with his German accent. But something happens. And tens of thousands of people in every crusade come to Jesus. I believe if you ask him his secret, woven within probably a much longer story than I would give you today, I have anointing, I have authority, and I have power, and I walk in them. In Africa, a young man was brought to the service because he had died. Reinhard Bonnke was preaching. At the conclusion, they took him down to the basement to raise this young man from the dead. And Reinhard Bonnke prayed. And God answered his prayer. And the young man was raised. It might have hindered Bunky's faith had he known they had already embalmed the boy. God wants us to see his power and his presence and demonstration again and again. And then we find in Acts chapter number 3, Peter and John going up to the place of prayer. And they see a guy sitting over here with his legs lame and silver and gold. Have I none but such as I have? Give unto thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. They reached to God and pulled him up. Immediately strength came into his ankle bones. And he went running and leaping and praising the Lord. That only happens when we're available. Now, you, will, you, you, you may use the excuse, but, but preacher, I don't have those abilities. Neither did they. As a matter of fact, God would like for you to just take your abilities and put them on a shelf. And just simply make yourself available to him. You see, today, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Today, you need to walk in authority of the Word. And today, you need the power to be a true representative of Jesus Christ. Jerry Cook wrote a book 
love, acceptance, and forgiveness. A four-square gospel pastor told the story. A young lady walked into a drugstore and looked over before the druggist window and saw a lady sitting there with her face in her hands. And the Lord said to this young lady, go pray for her. And the young lady complained and argued with God. I've never done that before. He said, go do that. Finally, the Lord won out and she went over and she took the older lady's hands in her hands and said, do you mind if I pray for you? And she said, no. And so she prayed. They did their business during the there in the store and they went their separate ways after having exchanged names and telephone numbers. The next morning, the young lady's telephone rang and a man on the other end who sounded old said, could you come over to our house if you're the one who prayed for my wife yesterday? She went over and she rang the doorbell. The man came to the door, escorted her into the kitchen picked up a vial of medication off the kitchen table and said she didn't even get to take a dose. And the young lady said, oh, no, she died, never having taken a dose of medication. He said, would you follow me into the bedroom? Reluctantly, the young lady followed him into the bedroom, and as the door to the bedroom opened, there sitting beside the bed, fully clothed and divinely healed, was the woman for whom she had prayed the day before. And the old man said, now will you tell us about this Jesus who healed my wife? The dividends of walking in the spirit, walking in the anointing, walking in authority, walking in power will be much greater than the cost to us to walk in anointing to walk in authority, and to walk in power.